Good morning, Riverside San Bernardino Inland Empire and listeners around the world. Welcome to the Truth Seekers Radio Show. I'm your host, Angeline Marie. Thanks for taking the time to join us this Sunday morning. We're broadcasting on our flagship station, KCAA, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. If you're located in the Southern California Inland Empire, you'll find us on KCAA 1050 on the AM dial. If not, you can find us streaming live on kcaaradio.com or talkstreamlive.com. Also, don't forget you can always find podcasts available on kcaaradio.com to listen at your leisure. You can learn more about our show at truthseekersradioshow.com. Today, my guest is Roger Sales, and he's here to discuss his book titled From Sovereign to Surf, Government by the Treachery and Deception of Words. Roger Sales was born in Panama City, Florida. As part of a military family, he moved around frequently while growing up. His father's last assignment was in Alexandria, Louisiana, where he enrolled in Louisiana State University. Roger had a radio career in the 1970s as a radio announcer and music director, and then he eventually secured a job working for Mercury Records in Atlanta, Georgia. Over the next 10 years, he worked for other major record labels that included ABC Records, Infinity Records, and he also did some independent promotion. After he retired from the record business, he taught the record business curriculum at the Art Institute in Atlanta. Eventually, he was involved in various MLM ventures. During the 80s, he viewed his first videotape on taxation and subsequently met John Benson and Glenn Ambord, the author and editor of Taxation by Misrepresentation. These two men changed Roger's life and they set him up for a life of truth and revelation, which led to the publication of his current book, From Sovereign to Serve, Government by the Treachery and Deception of Words. Since July 2008, Roger has called San Rafael Mendoza, Argentina his home. Roger Sales is also a radio show co-host, and he teams up with Jeff Bennett and Robbie Noel on Life, Liberty, and All That Jazz, which can be heard on the Micro Effect Network. Also, he co-hosts with Aladask on Financial Survival, which can be heard on American Voice Radio Network. Well, welcome, Roger. How are you doing today? I don't know if I could be better. Thank you, Angeline, and I really appreciate you asking me to do this interview. Well, no problem. I, I'm, I know we're going to enjoy it. We're going to give the listeners a lot of information, a lot that I'm sure they've never heard before. So starting, Roger, let me first ask you, can you tell us a little bit about how you came to write the book and what exactly do you mean by going from a sovereign to a serf? Well, the title of the book is From Sovereign to Surf, and the the real work title of the book for the whole time, the eight, seven and a half, eight years it was in incubation, if you will, was the second part, which is government by the treachery and deception 
of words, which I prefer that part of the title. The Sovereign to Surf was stuck on at the last minute. Uh, it's certainly descriptive. Uh, it's got, like anything in life, yin and yang. Um, the story starts, gosh, Angeline, back when I was in college in the 60s and uh, in, in Baton Rouge at LSU and uh, uh, all of the tr- very tumultuous social engineering things of the day were happening and JFK's assassination, his brother, uh, Vietnam, Martin Luther King, uh, uh, you know, marches, demonstrations, et cetera, et cetera. So you kind of knew that something was wrong, and, and I, I thought that for many years. And then later on in the early 90s, I, I was approached by someone on an income tax issue. Now, I did not have an income tax problem at the time. And that's an important point uh, because I didn't get into this to get away from something, which mm-hmm. most people do because they're running from the IRS chomping at their backside, okay, and they're looking for relief. I got in it because I had curiosity. And I think that's one of the great differences in, in what I've been able to achieve and accomplish versus the other people that fell along the road. You know, my teachers, and you you and I don't think I've talked about this, my teachers, John Benson and Glenn Ambort, who, by the way, spent 15 years in federal prison simply for teaching these concepts. They just got out within the last few years. And uh, uh, so the federal government scared to death of this. Their teachings were all centered around taxation. But, uh, uh, you know, this is a spiritual battle. And what I did was stand on their on their shoulders like anybody that's ever developed anything or improved things. Uh, they uh, uh, Their work was limited to taxation. And what I did was take those basic principles and, and reach up a level above just the taxation issue and go to the jurisdictional issue. And I had known these principles for years, uh, what they taught, and I was very familiar with them because I had lived outside the system for over 10 years there in the States. I was living in Atlanta in those years. And uh, and so then uh, I moved to Florida. Actually, my wife died, and I, I knew I was going somewhere, and I didn't know where. So I moved back to Florida for a few years to try and get a handle on my life, and it was then that I made the decision to move to Argentina. And it was in that decision and finally going to get a passport for the very first time because I'd always been scared to do it before. You know, fear, fantasized experiences appearing real, those things stop people in their tracks from making progress in their life. And when they finally have to face it and deal with it, they find out it was a very trivial fear and it was mostly between their ears. Well, I had one of those with a, uh, with a inter- ex- interchanging with the federal government. Most of my exchange had been with the IRS. And so I, I finally had to get a passport, and it was going to get a passport application and reading the passport application that gave me the last big key, the last big piece, if you will, of the puzzle that I'd been putting together and living for over 15 years. And that prompted the book. It took a few years to get to it, a little bit of trauma and, and a lot of tragedy, but out of all of that has come this gem of knowledge uh, that I'm just so proud to have my name on, really. Uh, don't think it's my work. I don't. Uh, certainly some of it is, but what you read when you read this book, and I know you personally have read it at least two times and maybe starting a third, Angeline, but when you read between those pages, what you read is 78 years of three men's lives totally dedicated to finding the answers as to what's wrong with not only our country but our world. Well, Roger, I re- what I recall about the book is towards the beginning it talks about revealing this 
big secret. So since the listeners don't really know what we're talking about, why don't we start there? What are these principles and what is this big secret that you've revealed? Well, you know, it's it's it, that's a, a short question with a whole bunch of answers. You know, we could probably delve into this for many hours. Let me let me say this, and I try and and synthesize this and get it as understandable conceptually for people as possible. Because what you're going to do if you read this book or listen to this message, if it touches your lives and your heart, and and, and the quest for freedom burns there, is this is going to change your life. Because it changes the way you think, and you're actually enslaved in your mind as well as legally. So let me tell them in a basic, you know, a good mark of any talk, Angeline, they say, is you tell them what you're going to tell them, then you tell them, and then you tell them what you told them, okay? Mm -hmm. So let's start that way. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you, is that you're enslaved, and you're enslaved by the dadgum slickest mechanism that anybody's ever delved into all right and i just by the stroke of good lord guiding my life stumbled into this 20 years ago and and approached it from the back side and not the front side by that i mean i came at it from a different angle uh angeline you've probably heard me tell the story on the air about that about the thing in reader's digest i read with the uh in the little small town in the midwest where it's got you know one road through town and it goes under the railroad bridge the railroad bridge has got mm-hmm. one of those arch bridges, and an 18-wheeler got stuck up under there. I read this in Reader's Digest years ago, and an 18-wheeler didn't heed the height allowance, and he got his truck uh, trailer stuck up under there. And, of course, it had all the traffic blocked. Everybody in town was there, the mayor, the city engineer, all the traffic people. They're all standing around what to do, what to do. And a little eight-year-old kid comes up and says, why don't you let some of the air out of the tires? Okay, and that's what I did. I came up and said – Let's some air out of the tires. I looked at it a different way because it's not necessarily what you think. It's how you think and how you approach looking at life, at problems, at yourself, at different things, and you can see different perspectives from different angles. And that's what this is all about, really, as concise, honestly, and basically as I can tell you. So I didn't get in this. I got in it out of curiosity. And I found truth here, and it touched my heart. Like it's going to touch this message today is going to touch some of the people in the audience that are hearing this today. And you're going to be spurned to go and look for it because you've been looking for truth and like me 20 years ago all of a sudden you found a thread that you can follow and so what they've done in an essence if you go back to the declaration of independence angeline and in the back part which i think is probably the greatest political document ever penned by the way and in the back part of that there's a number a listing of grievances against the king have you ever read those yes okay well two of them i remember distinctly Okay, and one of them I took to heart many years ago, and it says he has erected multitudes of offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass us and eat out our substance. Now, Angeline, that could have been written yesterday. Okay. Now, the other one that struck me out of that listing was this: he has brought in foreign jurisdiction unrecognized by our courts or whatever. And that is what we're going to talk about because that is what they've done again. Okay? okay. And 
what they've done is through a very backhanded system and method that no one recognizes over literally a hundred years, they brought the old feudal system of England where the people were actually property into the United States after the Civil War with the 14th Amendment that gave the black man a second-tier federal citizenship called a citizen of the United States. Now, originally, there was also a citizen of the United States, but it had a capital C back in those founding documents we just read from. And when it's referenced, it's as a capital C. Now, originally, those were state citizens first, and federal capital C citizens, or national citizens, if you will, second. Okay, And what the 14th Amendment did was it flipped that. It made them federal citizens first, therefore obligated to Washington, D.C., because that's where they get their small R rights, like civil rights. And then they were state citizens second if and only if they resided in the state. Okay, Roger, I hate to stop you right now, but let's hold that thought. We're going to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to pick up this citizenship and the types. Listeners, you're listening to the Truth Seekers radio show. We'll be back in two minutes with our guest, Roger Sales. These are the sounds of someone taking their eyes off the road. Texting while driving is more than distracting. It's dangerous. Do yourself a favor. Do us all a favor. When you're on the road, stay off the phone. A message from CTIA, America's Wireless Companies, and the National Safety Council. Each year, millions of people fall for dangerous fad diets and bogus weight loss products. Here's how to separate facts from fad. This is registered dietitian Melissa Joy Dobbins for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics with your Eating Right Minute. Fad diets give lots of promises and few results. Some are even dangerous. Remember these warning signs. A guarantee of rapid weight loss is a red flag. For long-term success, aim to lose about one pound per week. Never follow a diet that bans an entire food group or one that allows you to only eat from one group. Finally, there is no proof that eating specific foods at certain times of the day will help with weight loss. To create an eating plan just for you, see a registered dietitian and visit www.eatright.org. Encouraging you to eat right, I'm registered dietitian Melissa Joy Dobbins with the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. 
welcome back. You're listening to the True Seekers radio show. show. Today, our guest is Roger Sales, and we're discussing his book called From Sovereign to Surf, Government by the Treachery and Deception of Words. And Roger, let's pick it up from where we left off. You were talking about the types of citizenship. Well, as I was saying, we left off the last segment on the word resident, and, and that's why the title of the book is so important, Angeline, is because it's through these words very deviously constructed and woven into a web to deceive you where you don't understand what they're asking you. And what they're really doing, I've come to understand, is they're imputing 180-degree opposite definitions of words in your mind. And thereby, they're controlling you because they're confusing the communication between your subconscious and your conscious mind, and your subconscious uh, controls seven or at least 90% of your day and what you do, okay? But you're not aware of it. And it's a very powerful force. This, If you go back, I've found that this is very true that all my teachers told me. This is a spiritual battle. And if you don't understand the spiritual element and, and, and weave it and incorporate it into your understandings, you're probably not going to get this because the basis of all of this is spiritual. And when anyone is going after you to own you as property, they own you. Literally, like you think you own property, and that's another one of the trick words. Let me let me go to the back side of this and come at it another way, Angeline, for you and the listeners. One of the things I've become very moved by when I got into this and still moved by this day is Revelation 18. And in Revelation 18, if you're familiar with it, it says, Babylon, O oh Babylon, the great has fallen in an hour. And all the merchants of the earth wail because they can no longer sell their goods. And then it lists a remedy in there. Give her double what she has given to you. And it lists a couple of other things. And that's very important that that's a remedy. All right. And then it goes into a list of the things that they can no longer sell, the merchants that are whaling. And and it says their gold, their silver, their ivory, their cinnamon, their myrrh, their frankincense. There's a list of about 20 21 items there. You know what the very last item is? And bodies and souls of men. Now, they can't sell your body and your soul unless they own you. And so that's why this is important. And it's important to understand these principles because you don't even know it. And let's go to the 14th Amendment and see if we can reapproach it from the front side, Angeline. And if you read the 14th Amendment, it says any person born naturalized in the United States, comma, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof, comma, are citizens of the United States and the state wherein they reside. Now, there's at least six legal landmines in that sentence, and even the lawyers that get churned out of these law schools today don't understand it because they've trimmed and reversed the, the meanings, and they've hidden the concepts that go back 2,000 years. Now, let's read that sentence with attention on those words. Any person. Well, what do you mean by person? Are you talking about a physical person, a corporation person, a trust person? Well, a, tru a, a person is, is a person who gets their rights and duties because rights and duties are legally are correlated. They're together, and it depends on where you get your rights as to where you owe the correlative duty. So when you get to the word person, it really means not am I a person or not, which is the, the standard patriot answer. It's which person am I? From where do I get my rights, and therefore where do I owe my correlative duties? 
Now, this is interesting because in my case, I get my rights from God. I've been able to recapture the original political status of our forefathers. Okay, So if you wanted to say, where do you reside, Roger, I would accurately tell you I reside in the kingdom of heaven because those are the rights I get and those are the duties where I give my duties. So it's not what you see in the word. It's the concept behind the word that they're imputing and that's important here. So I use that as an example, Angeline. Did, did you follow that? Yes. Okay. So any person born or naturalized in the United States. Well, if you go to an older Black's Law Dictionary and look under United States, it's going to have one sentence. It says this term has several meanings. And then it lists a, a site out of a Supreme Court case. They've taken it out of the newer volumes of Black's. But it says uh, it could be one of three or four meanings. It could be a single state. It could be a state in the, in the middle of other groupings. It could be a this. It could be a that. So, okay, uh, I, I, any person born or naturalized in the United States? Well, which United States? Which ones do you mean here? Mm-hmm. Okay, comma, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. Well, subject's an interesting word now, isn't it? Like a king is over there in England or a queen, and they've got a whole bunch of subjects, but they're kind of this monarch-type sovereign person that gets their rights from God and knows the duties to God, right? Mm-hmm. Well, how does everybody else get theirs? Well, they're subjects. Okay, only one person in that system got them. Then they developed out and ruled over everybody. But in our country, it was supposed to be everybody was like that monarch themselves. So when it says, and subject, that's got a heavy meaning to it. It means polit- totally subject to the political jurisdiction of the United States. That's a pretty heavy sub- little uh, quote out of a Supreme Court case, U.S. versus Wong Kim Ark. But the important word in that clause is not subject necessarily. It's subject to what? The jurisdiction. Well, what's that word? And see, that's a real big one. If you go to Black's Law Dictionary again and look, it's got a really confusing definition, Angeline. It says, the state of the forum. Now, that tells you exactly what jurisdiction is, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay? The state of the forum, in other words, where do you get your rights and to who do you owe your duties? That forum, maybe? Right. Okay, so that jurisdiction is the one they're talking about. As a citizen of the United States, small c, federal citizen, if you will, where they owe their duties to the federal government because that's where they get their rights from. In the original capital C, they got their rights from God and they owed their duties to God. They were a state citizen first, a capital C citizen of the United States, a national citizen second. And in the other one, on the federal one, they reversed it. And they reversed it, and what tells you what's really going on is an old legal maxim that says if you receive the benefit, you owe the duty. So if I give you something, you've got to owe me something back. And the whole basis of the word jurisdiction comes from the feudal era. And it says protection for allegiance, allegiance for protection. So if the lord of the manor was to give you protection when the hordes from the northern hordes were invading, then you owed him your allegiance and you had to fight to defend him. Mm -hmm. Get the concept? Yes. Okay. So the federal government gives these black slaves that have been slaves on the property on the southern plantation, and you understand what they did? They gave them this status, a secondary political status, and they made them slaves now on the federal plantation. As well as everyone else, correct? Well, yes, but we're still talking about the Civil War right now. 
So that went along from the 1860s up until the 1890s. There was a very important Supreme Court case, one of the most important ever decided. I'll tell you how important it is. All of the birthers, this Obama birth thing that went on years ago, all of them used this case because it is the premier case in the history of our country on these issues of denizenship, citizenship, political status, immigration, etc. And it was that case, and that case is called U.S. versus Wong Kim Ark, W-O-N-G-K-I-M-A-R-K. Certainly, Wong Kim Ark is not a black Southern slave. And it was in that case that the 14th Amendment platform for this enslavement that we're in was laid for everyone. And then they waited until the 30s. They got a hold of the government and, and the mechanisms in the 13. 1913 with the Federal Reserve. They set it up to make you property, and when they crashed the stock market in the early 30s, they switched the system of government and brought all the administrative agencies in. And it was in that period of time because administrative agencies, what are they supposed to do? They administrate and regulate, right? Mm-hmm. Well, who do they regulate? They just can they go can they come down here to Argentina and nab one of these uh, Argentinians off the street and go you're not uh, adhering to these OSHA regulations they can't do that can they no okay why not because they're not in their jurisdiction correct I knew you were at the head of the class Angelina you read my book twice already yeah. so see I mean if you think about these things conceptually they're simple. That's a simple example, all right, because he's not in their jurisdiction. So what makes you in their jurisdiction? This little trick of this secondary citizenship and this last part of that 14th Amendment we hadn't covered yet. Mm-hmm. And that's that last little phrase, and it says, our citizens of the United States and the state wherein they reside. Reside is the base of resident. And when I say that word, are you a resident, you go, does that mean I live over there, doesn't it? Right. And I say, no, it means you live under this jurisdiction here of the 14th Amendment. Because when I ask you if you were a resident, you answered yes. So, Angeline, ignorance of the law is no excuse. You ought to know what you are. If I ask you if you're a feudal serf on the feudal plantation and you answered yes, well, whose fault is that? Except that they don't use those words. Oh, really? Well, gosh, you don't think that's intentional, do you? Absolutely it is. Well, now, see, what I've come to understand is an awful lot since I wrote the book because I'm constantly living and thinking about this stuff. Let me get a sip of water here, pardon me. And what I think they're really doing is this, and I've studied the feudal era, and my professor's an expert on it, one of the best in the world, actually, John Benson. And in the feudal era, you see, there was two types of servitude. There was an involuntary serf, like the blacks on the old plantation. If they had a child, it was born into that condition, okay? And, and, but there was another type called a voluntary serf. And that was a guy that was hanging out there, and the economy got bad, and he had kids to feed. And he goes back to the Lord and says, hey, I'll, I'll be a voluntary serf for you if you'll give me these 40 these 40 acres back here, and let me raise stuff on them. You can have 25%, and I'll give you some protection, and it's cool. And that was called volunteering into servitude. And if you go back, you were, are you too young, Angeline, to remember Monty Python and the Holy Grail? 
I'm not real familiar with it, but I've heard of it. Well, you know the Monty Python stuff, real slapstick British right, com- comedy. Right. Well, in the in that movie, they've got this ceremony in the movie. It's called an oath of fealty. And what it would do, the Lord of the Manor would sit there, and you'd kneel in front of him, and you'd put your hands together like you were praying, and he'd put his hands over yours. And they had other serfs from the manor there, and you literally would swear your body and your worldly goods to the Lord of the Manor. And you were under that obligation until you decided to volunteer out. Okay, and so, but you could volunteer out. Now that's a thousand years of legal precedent. So we're not talking chopped chicken liver here. All right, and that's what they've done. They've brought that system in, and they've hidden that that little uh, uh, volunteer out uh, trap door. And that's what I found because I understood the system. Okay, mm-hmm. so I volunteered out by their rules and they can't contest it, and the State Department of the United States of America has agreed with me three times to this point. I've had three opportunities to get passports in the last six years, thanks to one of them being stolen by one of our fine <coughs> patriots down here. And uh, and the second time I got to do that, Angeline, I got to actually sit down for the very first time with a representative of the federal government of the United States of America, or the United States, I should say, uh, and, and a gal in charge of the passport office there at the uh, uh, embassy in Buenos Aires. It was up here in this part of the country, but that's who, where she works. And I got to hand her that affidavit that's reproduced in the back of my book, by the way, and uh, and explain it to her in person. And well, she Rod, looked, Sorry, Roger. This is a good time. Let's take our break. And when we come back, can you go into the passport application and exactly how you opted out and did all this? Sure. Okay. Listeners, we'll be right back with our guest, Roger Sales. You're listening to the Truth Seekers Radio Show. with your skin it's the only skin you're in know what's good and bad to do find the right and wrong for you it's time you learn what it's about cause indoor tanning is out uv lamps from a tanning bed they can turn your skin beat red wrinkles come from the uv light and age spots make you a frightful sight with uv light it gets worse skin cancer is a wicked curse don't be the one that's tanned and dead use your brain use your head it's time you learn what it's about indoor tanning is out a message from the American Academy of Dermatology Welcome back. You're listening to the Truth Seekers Radio Show. Today, our guest is Roger Sales, and we're discussing his book, From Sovereign to Surf, Government by the Treachery and Deception of Words. So, Roger, we were talking about the passport application and the process that you and procedure that you took. 
you know, like anything else you're going to talk about on these topics, it requires some background to really understand what you're saying. And for those not familiar with too much legal stuff, an affidavit is the, is the key thing of this story, and you must understand what one is. An affidavit is a statement of truth. And it's notarized, and it can be publicly noticed, either recorded in the property records office, which we did 20 years ago, or even uh, uh, published in what they call the legal organ of your county, where they publish marriage notices and divorce notices and foreclosure, stuff like that. So that's considered to be a, a proper notice, too. And um, you, you, I, we did that. I don't know that you necessarily have to, but it's a statement of uh, some statement of yours. Like if you saw an accident, Angeline, and you decided to be a witness because you saw something real bad happen wrong, you could write an affidavit. And when you put that affidavit into the record, it stands until someone else comes up with another affidavit properly formed and executed and notarized, trumping your affidavit. So whichever's the last one standing wins okay mm -hmm. it's a it's a king of the mountain kind of thing all right and so that's him that's why lawyers use them and and the courts and stuff it's the it's the most powerful arrow in a lawyer's quiver all right and so a little did i know that 20 years ago but my teacher did and he understood it and that's what we did is we filed affidavits and first of all we went to irs now it was only in those years that i came and this is the reason i came to understand it uh, early on one of the other students had written to his state because now you're asserting that you're a state citizen okay national citizen but you're a state citizen technically and so he wrote to his state nebraska i think and said i'd like to have some documentation that i'm a state citizen well they sent him back a real nice letter with gold embossed nebraska flag <laughs> and all this. He said so and so is a proud upstanding uh, state citizen of the state of nebraska well all of us wanted one of those okay you can imagine that right, right. and so I wrote to this to whoever attorney general, somebody in the state of Florida. I was living in Panama City, it's my hometown, and and so uh, he wrote me back and said, "Well, we can't do this because uh, the the U.S. State Department is the final determination of all matters concerning citizenship." And that letter was written to me probably 18 years ago, and that one sentence out of that letter stuck in my mind. I didn't follow up on it back then. Because of fear and ignorance and not being seasoned, etc. Mm -hmm. And it was only when I had to. And I went to the post office after I made the decision to move down here to Argentina, which I maintain is the smartest decision I've made in my adult lifetime to this day. Okay. And uh, so when I had to do that, because I'd already made the decision and I'd never had a passport before, I go to the post office and I go pick up a form. And so I've got two, one's orange and one's purple, and uh, uh, I bring them home, and I should have them right here in front of me. I don't, Angeline, but that's okay. And then maybe the next break, I'll go grab it if we need to. I can pretty well go over memory on this. And so I start reading it, and up at the fine top, at the top, it says U.S. Department of State uh, passport application, and then there's a block, what they call a box warning with a black box. This is on the printed version from the post office. And it says in bold letters, capital letters, warning. Any documents included herewith, including affidavits, 
that have false statements knowingly and willfully made, etc. And when I saw the word affidavits, even though I had not read the rest of that document, I remembered that sentence, and I knew I had them. And I knew it right then. Okay, And then as I read through it and get to the oath, now I really know I've got them. Because the oath says, and this is, they've changed it slightly. Uh, they've just kind of rearranged it. They haven't changed too much of it verbally because they're locked into it. It says, um, I swear under penalty of perjury. You know, they take these penalty of perjury things pretty serious. They hold your feet to the fire, don't they? It says, under penalty of perjury, I declare that I am a citizen of the United States, parentheses, or a non-citizen national, close parentheses. And since acquiring United States citizenship, parentheses, or U.S. nationality, close parentheses, have not uh, done something with the terms and conditions listed on the opposite side, parentheses, unless explanatory statement is attached, close parentheses, I swear under penalty of perjury, except all the above is true. Boom. All right, so several points here. Obviously, there's two different political statuses there. We've already talked about there's two political statuses in the country, one from the founders, one after the 14th Amendment. One we know is called a citizen of the United States. It says in the oath, I declare I'm a citizen of the United States, parentheses, or a non-citizen national. Who are they? It says those are mutually exclusive. It says one of them is a non what the other one is. Mm-hmm. They can't be the same thing, Okay. And so there's your two statuses. And because I'd had all this information and understood it and lived it and read it and slept it and drank it, and it was driving me like an obsession for so many years, when I saw that, the light bulbs went off. And, you know, it's kind of like I've come on some other stuff lately. You'll like this, Angela. I've come on some other stuff lately. Have you ever heard the... Have you ever heard the old saying of a falling in love is like wearing a dark suit and wetting your pants? No. <laughs> it gives you a warm feeling, but nobody notices. <laughs> That's kind of what this is like, okay? I mean, I stumbled on that passport application, and I know exactly that I found the biggest piece of the puzzle that everybody i would known for 15 years have been looking for, and nobody can understand it. <laughs> And I just wet my, I've been wetting my pants for six years. And that's why I wrote the book, so y'all can wet your pants too. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been an amazing trip, honestly. And, and, of course, now I understand much more than I have uh, along the way because we've stumbled onto some further research along these lines recently that just really clear things up. And, and I can tell you the gospel truth. This book is absolutely the truth. And what I did is the truth. And the reason when you put that statement with a passport application is because you're standing on the sword of gospel truth and it's in an affidavit form and they can't contest it. You're the king of the mountain, and none of their administrative agencies make any regulations that stick to you anymore. How about that? It sounds really powerful. I I mean, listening to you and the passion that you have about this, I can see how it has so changed your thinking and how that change 
has made you get your power back, so to you speak. You know what it is? I'm going to tell you. It's in the book, and you've read it twice, and it maybe hadn't registered with you. And the first time I heard it was on the Power Hour with Joyce Riley years ago. I talk about it in the book. And Dr. Bruce Lipton was on there. I don't know if you know much about him, but he's one sharp cookie, okay? And he's on there, and he's talking about he's a specialist in the subconscious mind. And he starts talking about this situation of being able to get your subconscious and your conscious mind working together again. And his exact words were, if you can do that, it is empowering. And that's what it is. That's the reason I've got what you just said. I'm empowered because I know the truth, and both lobes of my brain are working right in tandem. Now, I'll tell you another further story to that. When I first got on the air with this two years ago on Jeff Bennett's show, thank you, Jeff Bennett, eternally, for being the one guy with the kahunas to put me on the air. And uh, uh, early on, I had a call from an old guy, 67 years old. He's right outside of uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, where I used to live up in that part of the country. And his name's James Taylor. Now, Angeline, you know, uh, the audience might not, the whole bulk of my career was a big-time music business stuff in Atlanta. Okay? I used to work for record labels, and I'm very, well, music's been my whole life, all right? And so when somebody named James Taylor calls, you remember it, all right? <laughs> and so old James calls me and says, Roger, because I'm 67. He said, I'll probably never file any of this paperwork. But he said, just knowing what I know now is empowering to me. Mm-hmm. exact same word and that's what it does because it allows you to see life the way it is and it pulls you out of the illusion and you had to feel as though what you had set out to do you were finally accomplishing letting people know what's going on revealing the truth you know that was my goal in this whole project i, I had no idea what would happen past that i'm living that dream right now uh but my primary goal was to get this message into the public domain period and we've done that. And I should tell people how much time we got before a break. And I'll, if we can do some, I'll do shameless self We got a, a couple more minutes. So, yeah, go ahead and give your website and how to get your book. I will. I'm going to give you my website, my teacher's website, because their tax book is equally as important as my jurisdictional book, which they edited and helped me write, by the way. Um, and mine is, I'll say it and then spell it, is the triple W, surfs-up.com. That's S E. R-F-S hyphen U-P dot com or net. Either one will get you the same place. S-E-R-F-S hyphen U-P dot com or net. My teachers, whose expertise have been taxes and the taxation system, found the taxation, the origins of the, fa- of the ta- taxation system. And like the feudal system of Europe for a thousand years, they've brought a taxation system forward that the king of England used to collect his taxes for almost 500 years. And it was based on a, on a merchant law mechanism called a statute staple contract and that's what a 1040 is and if you'd like to find out more about that their book is called taxation by misrepresentation the truth about taxes in plain english theirs is a little bit easier than mine it's triple w and no 1040 tax.com no no 1040 tax 
www.civicclub.com. If you'd like to get specials of our books, if you're a civic club, you got a study group, you just want to buy some a little cheaper and resell them because you think the message is important, you can contact thebookshelf.us, thebookshelf.us. You can get our books through there and work out any specials through Jeff Bennett. There, that's his publishing company. So that pretty well covers the grounds, I think, Angelie. We're going to take a break in a little bit, Roger, but when we come back, I, I want to ask you something, because coming back to the State Department and them being basically in charge of this citizenship, yes, I, I want to know if you really think these quote-unquote employees of the State Department even know what's going on, but we can... We can address that when we come back. So listeners, we'll be back with our guest, Roger Sales, to continue discussing his book, From Sovereign to Surf, Government by the Treachery and Deception of Words, on the True Seekers radio show. every translator on the field, we need at least two volunteers. There's a role for you in the Ministry of Bible Translation. If you're willing, you can help. On a computer, sewing machine, a car, on a ladder, there's work you can do. Wycliffe Associates volunteers help build the translation training centers, provide systems for clean water, do office work, and share the unquenchable Word of God to those who desperately seek eternal life. I want to know about Him. Please help me find Him. Learn how you can become a Wycliffe Associates volunteer and take part in the goal of Vision 2025, helping start a Bible translation in every language that needs one by the year 2025. Call 800-THE-WORD. Would I do this again? In a heartbeat. If God is calling you to make a difference, call us at 1-800-THE-WORD. That's 800-843-9673. Or go to our website at WycliffeAssociates.org and find out how you can become a Wycliffe Associates volunteer. Hi, I'm Mark Spitz. I've been swimming all my life. I've won gold medals, even broken world records, but that doesn't mean that I'll go boating without wearing my life jacket. Even if you're a good swimmer, please wear your life jacket. This message brought to you by the National Safe Boating Council and the United States Coast Guard. Welcome back. You're listening to the True Seekers Radio Show. Today, our guest is Roger Sales, and we're discussing his book, From Sovereign to Surf, Government by the Treachery and Deception of Words. So, Roger, about the State Department employees, what do you think about that? Do you really th- I don't, I just well, can't see that the, a lot, I mean, I'm sure there are those at the top, but I just can't see the average. The normal people don't understand it. Uh, you know, even the people, a lot of people in our movement that have had tremendous law stuff don't understand this because it's approaching it from a different direction. And they're t- t- trained and conditioned to fight the beast from the head on and try and hack through all the defenses that he's put up there to defeat you. And what I did was went around to the back. Okay, in a simple explanation, I could tell you what I think about the State Department, but better yet, if I tell you what the what the Supreme Court thinks about the State Department and the passport, does that do you think that might be important? Yeah. Okay, and this is a cite from an old law book uh, back when they used to name them after men. You know, before the Civil War, there was wheat and this and that and the other. This is from a Peters nine Peters six nine two, and it says. 
It, a passport, is a document which, from its nature and object, is addressed to foreign powers, purporting to only be a request that the bearer of it may pass safely and freely, and it is to be considered rather in the character of a political document by which the bearer is recognized in foreign countries as an American citizen, and which by usage and the law of nations is received as evidence of that fact. But this is a very different light from that in which it is to be viewed in a court of justice, where the inquiry is as to the fact of citizenship. It is a mere ex parte certificate, and if founded upon any evidence produced to the Secretary of State establishing the fact of citizenship, that evidence, if of a character admissible in a court of justice, ought to be produced upon the trial as higher and better evidence of the fact. So it doesn't matter about the passport. It's your documentation. Mm-hmm. It's your declaration. You see, the law of nations, which is referenced in that site right there, says every man has the right of political self-determination. They don't mind if you expatriate. They're going to make you jump through some hoops and charge you 450 bucks, or maybe whatever it is this week. You've got to have a second country's passport. But they hide the fact that if your parents are both native-born Americans – You've got access to this original citizenship with constitutional protections. You see, this is another big misnomer. There are no such thing as constitutional rights. That constitution piece of paper doesn't give you right number one. And if you name me the first one it gives you, I'll give you $100,000 right now. Okay? It gives you protections from God-given rights. And you can't seek the protections if you've got civil rights and you're a federal citizen and you owe your duties to the federal government first and not God. That makes sense? Yes. You see, what they've done is very simple. But you've got to weave through all of these principles and stuff they've hidden in words with the opposite definitions to be able to understand it with the correct principles moving forward. But how they've done it is extremely complex. And that's how you fool people to make things complicated. And you even, I mean, you took a, you took it a step further with this uh, filing the 1040 NR, didn't you? Well, that was part of the of the drill in what John had discovered. He had discovered in his research on the CFR, that's the regulations that the IRS, you know, Congress doesn't come after you, the IRS comes after you. And they're the ones that promulgate the regulations. Understanding administrative agencies and the role they play in the system is critical to your understanding of this. Because if there wasn't anything for them to regulate, they wouldn't be there, period. Okay? And so... In the IRS thing, um, what John had figured out was and found in the regulations to substantiate and support it was that if you had been filing erroneously and you recognized that and changed that, that they'd send you three years back payments. 
And so the first few people that did it, you have to file through Philadelphia Service Center. And the first few people that did that got these huge checks back. So, of course, everybody wanted to do it. And when the IRS figured out what was happening, well, let me tell you the story. When John and Glenn first put this together, they were very upfront about it. They wrote a letter. I don't think I've told you this story. They wrote a letter to the IRS and said, listen, this is what we're doing. These are our teachings. These are some of our of the books we're going to use. And we wanted to show you and tell you that if any of your agents want to come to any of our seminars, because we're giving these all over the country, that if they'll show their badge and their identification, we'll let them in free and give them free class materials. And the IRS sent back a letter and said, well, thank you very much. We'll turn this over to the education department department, which obviously they did, because a couple of weeks later, nine members of the education department showed up with guns drawn (laughs) and battered in their doors and kept them at gunpoint for eight hours, okay? So it was quite an education for them. All right. And so uh, uh, and then that that shows you how seriously they'd only been teaching, by the way, this is an important point. They'd only been teaching this six months. Now, Angeline, the federal government doesn't react like that in six months to anything except a severe threat. Mm-hmm. Well, Roger, we're out of time. What a great way to end. Can you tell us again how to get the book and give us the websites again one more time? I- I'll be glad to. Thank you. Uh, mine, uh, surfs-up.com, S-E-R-F-S hyphen U-P.com or net. And the tax book, no1040taxes.com or any multiple purchases, thebookshelf.us. And I've got other radio broadcasts on my site that you can listen to, others I've done explaining this stuff if you're confused. And if you're confused, don't feel like the lone stranger because what we're doing is untying the knots in your mind. James 1 says a double-minded man is uncertain in all of his ways and that's what they've done they've made you double-minded by assigning opposite definitions to important words and separating the workings of the conscious and subconscious mind and that's how they've created the illusion i believe now i'm going to tell the audience if you're contemplating getting this that read it multiple times because there's there's almost 80 years of three men's work and lives total dedication in those covers mm-hmm. and it's a very serious work and it's been highly highly critically acclaimed well it's very good it's very enlightening and like i said i read your part three times and i could go back and i'm sure read more read it again and still see things that i didn't see Listeners, get the book. It's called From Sovereign to Surf, Government by the Treachery and Deception of Words. Thank you so much for your time, Roger Sales. This was great. And true seekers, thanks for tuning in today. And we'll see you next week on the True Seekers radio show. God bless. 